0: Hey guys, welcome to If We Were Kings. We have a little bit of an anomaly for you. Uh, We're going to put out this sort of special podcast. We did an interview with actress Kimmy Shields, who is going to dish on Brad Pitt and Millennials. We found it to be a very interesting interview. It went longer than anticipated in a good way. And we think you guys will enjoy it.
1: So as a slight difference from what we normally do, we're going to release this for you just as a single interview. Uh, We'll be back to our normal format uh, in a couple weeks. Hope you guys enjoy it.
0: Thanks, guys. segment two, we want to welcome a special guest. Her name is Kimmy Shields. She was one of my students. She graduated in 2011. She is an actress. She sings, I believe, as well. She does lots of good stuff. And she has been in some series that you may have seen. She has been in Big Little Lies, Insatiable, and Ad Astra with Brad Pitt coming out in 2019, is that right?
2: That's right. Okay, okay. good.
0: <laughs> and she's just coming, and we didn't even ask her if we could talk about this, but she just got done with an audition like 20 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago. <laughs> How
2: yes. to go? How to go? Uh, so thank you, Kimmy, uh, is- for coming on. <laughs> thank you for having me, guys. You're uh, welcome. The audition went fine, I think. You have no idea, right?
1: Well, before we get started, we just wanted to clarify for the audience that we wanted to talk to you and bring you on for a couple specific reasons. We wanted to talk to you because you seem to have an interesting perspective on an industry and in the field of millennials that Mr. Mack and I do not seem to have a firm grasp on. (laughs) So we just wanted to ask a few questions, having you on, being familiar with you, and uh, maybe getting some interesting information that we wouldn't otherwise get from people we uh, don't get to hang out with.
2: Sure. I hope so, I can be of some use. I sometimes feel just as disconnected from millennials. As <laughs> so Harris that's interesting.
0: So not only does the general public or the media like to talk about being disconnected from millennials, but millennials also are do. feeling disconnected from millennials. <laughs> yeah. So what is it, if anything, that you think that the media or us older folks, <laughs> Don't understand about millennials, or or do you think that we're spot on with the idea that you guys are? So here are the, some of the critiques: you guys aren't active, you you don't vote, you are passive, right? Those are some of the negative things, and we want you to defend all of those, all of them, right now, and speak got it, got for every it. millennial.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, that's a great question. I think. That obviously, I mean, probably the most glaring uh, reason would be technology. Um, we are now a generation that lives obviously on our phones, behind our phones, behind computers, tablets, several uh, resources that might alienate us, I think, from uh, the outside world and might keep us in this position of staying within these online communities that actually prevent us from getting out into the world, getting out into a th- physical community. Um, I do. Do I, you feel like you're know. not I mean,
1: connected enough?
2: I, I do personally, yeah. I feel like I tend to live more of my life online and I sometimes have these reality checks where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like losing my humanity right now because I don't feel like I've actually done any of the work that I claim to you know be behind and be an advocate for yeah, I haven't yeah. sensed myself actually doing that out in the world
0: that's interesting because yeah. you know, actually I think I felt that right we felt the same things yeah. which was sort of the impetus for what we're doing now correct um, is there what What do you see What's is there a fix is there a change is this just the direction we're heading
2: and is it bad I yeah, I mean, obviously we under we know that technology has many has introduced many beautiful advances to society. Mm-hmm. It connects people in ways it hasn't before. It's thankfully like killed the need for high school reunions because all I need to do <laughs> is Facebook. check your Facebook to so know that everything's fine. Okay, great. That yeah. saves me a hundred. Isn't that true ticket. though?
1: You don't have to go see these people because you're updated all the time now.
2: No, it's true. My yeah. mom once at a Christmas party a few years ago. I missed the party because I was sick. And she came home and said one of the saddest things to me, which was that she said, oh, I ran into so-and-so and I had nothing to talk about with her because I know <laughs> about true. her whole life on Facebook. Ha, 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 <laughs> and my heart just like dropped to in my butt. That's because super was like, interesting, that the actually. Death yeah. of communication. That is like the death of everything. That's a, We've that's a symptom so of a problem. Yes. Um, however, I do hope and I think I do see it now. Sort of starting the tide is starting to turn. I think as we've seen in the last election with this massive blue wave that right. happened, I think that we are now being a people, a generation of integrity that actually follows through with the things that we are so eager to yell about on the internet and very passionately yeah. passionately write about. So you think and there's gonna change?
1: You can... think that you see a an upward tick in uh activity from millennials?
2: I at least hope so i i mean again can't speak for everybody and it's silly to
1: ask you to speak for everybody but just in what your own sense would be
0: jason
2: likes to interrupt and and i i admittedly am a passive person i am not someone who took pride in my uh my privilege of being able to vote when i was Hmm. finally legally able to do so and now having come through a presidential election in 2016 that I saw so severely affect um, the feelings and physical physicality of the people that I love. It was sort of this wake up call that, oh yeah, you know, policies are people there's power in numbers of people that go out and speak for what they think is right. And just, and I just was, this, this fire was lit under my butt to actually be somebody who is Hopefully, helping fix the problems that we see, and that was very uh, inspiring to see. Because again, I'm not someone who's ever felt like it was my place to stir the pot or be really aggressive about my beliefs. But at the end of the day, I'm still privileged enough to be able to vote when other people can't. So I did feel the conviction of what it feels like if I don't actually use that privilege for good or to at least you know motivate my fellow peers, my demographic to do the same, because that's kind of all that we're asked to do is at least take advantage of the option that we have to vote and to use our voices in that way.
1: So you, you've kind of uh, gone towards one of the questions I was going to ask you anyways. Uh, what, mm-hmm. if anything, motivates millennials? And, and it sounds like, from what you're saying, fear <laughs> is one of the <laughs> very few. Th- Am I wrong? Talk to me, because it seems I, like no, a fear of wrong. what has happened and what can happen has finally started to have an impact on simply going to a a ballot box and voting.
2: Yeah. You know what? I think you nailed it. I think it's fear of what will happen if I don't vote. It's fear of, um, I guess, letting people continue to be in positions of power that could be harmful. I think it's, um, I think it is just fear across the board of what, could happen if you don't do
1: it and that being said Um, the fear might not have been there before so i'm just trying to qualify the the distinct difference in what happened in 16 is 16 is is either a new reality or or a a speed bump and we're trying to figure out which one it is but before there was no fear or before there was not enough fear and or i
2: think you just felt that politics were going to go without you yeah, well, it, you try kind to of talk about it, reality checks. I think what became clear to me, my reality was that I have underestimated the population of people that I have not spent time with, which is the Midwest, <laughs> which is the Deep South. These are people that I forget are there because I'm Americans. lucky enough to live in. Yeah, to li- I live in California, which is very liberal, which is very progressive. I have wonderful friends who, uh, you know, seek out justice and information all the time. So the reality was that we were kind of all talk and no action. And I, to be completely frank, I almost didn't vote in the presidential election in 2016 because I'm about to out myself as a millennial. I came home from a long day of working on a gig, and I was tired, and I thought I'm one person. I can't make a difference, and my dad looked me in the eye and said, go out the door right now and go vote. And, a, and I'll tell you, as soon as I showed up to vote, I did feel overwhelmed with pride. I felt overwhelmed with the power that is available to me if I just use it. And that really did a number on me. It really did change my perspective on how it is all about the people. And it's all about the people showing up to do it. So I think it was a mixture of the reality of what was happening and, and both and the fear that if I don't do it, then, you know, I can't I can't. Complain about the results because I didn't do anything to actually help change those results.
1: And from somebody who knows guilt, Dad played a good guilt trip on you. That was good.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, and it's so funny because we're not Catholic, but that's the most Catholic thing about us is just <laughs> the shame that runs in our family. the The amount of shame that we are capable of carrying.
0: <laughs> oh, and, I can it's relate. Yeah. Incredible. I, I, well, <laughs>
2: Enviable the choir. by some Catholics. Would, the
0: Rosenthals yeah. know about. Oh, oh, you're all preaching in the choir. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, so let's just, let's just talk about, you, you talked about, uh, the direct feeling, the direct correlation of, of inaction and action. And obviously in the industry that, that you are in, there were, uh, some, some huge movements, um, yes. the me too movement and so on. And so we don't want to get into the details of the me too movement specifically, but can you tell us, have you seen some kind of, um, any change in the industry that's that's real as far as its approach to sexism or power not power cuz i think the power, last year have you over seen the last any kind right. other culture change? change yeah culture
2: change yeah i mean <clears throat> it's definitely tangible i would say the feel the changes that have been felt and made in my industry um it's hard it's it's so interesting because while I was making the first season of Insatiable, one of my castmates was basically, she has kind of become the face of the Me Too movement. So the fact that that happened while we were in the middle of making a television show, which is based in the industry that was being uprooted, you know, um, that was kind of wild. And, And also, so it was, to me, just sort of heartbreaking because I've been very lucky in my creative pursuits to be, working alongside and encountering people that are respectful, that are, um, kind, that I would never suspect, you know, malintent from. So the fact that that was happening in a, in a place that I love so much was just devastating because you never want to assume that people are going to do things like that or be capable of things like that. But as we've seen, it's possible. So, uh, in are the, you in
0: sorry
2: time- to inter- oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go, you go.
0: No, so... In terms of that, before becoming, before becoming as uh, aware of it as people were, were, were you not aware of those things happening? Was that dynamic just so underground that um, it was only happening? To...
1: Or, or do you have the perspective in your in your young career to even have possibly seen that stuff?
2: I mean, yeah, that's true too because i've only really been professionally pursuing this since i graduated college which was four years ago so but i guess i guess i've always had this sort of blissful ignorance about me it's probably (laughs) part of my persona so um i'm sure it was always there but i just never obviously would never like seek it out uh or or i don't know i i'm sure i mean you hear stories of old Hollywood and the casting couch and the way things used to be. And, um, I guess I just never really stopped to wonder if that had ever gone away or if it just had become this sort of swept under the rug thing where, you know, because people have so much money that gives them all the power and therefore they, it's their choice to wield it however they will. And unfortunately it was done in very inappropriate ways. Um, but, and thankfully, as I said, I was not subjected to, Uh, story, you know, experiences similar to the stories that have come out since the Me Too movement began. You had no fear. Um,
0: Like this wasn't even something that you worried about.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I I don't know. I just have never been put in a position of being asked to compromise myself in that way or being told I had to do, you know, somebody's bidding to get what I wanted. And luckily I've been I've been, you know, with a team represented by a team of people who would never ask me to do something like that, who right. would never, I think, point me in that direction. So, um, but that being said, I am not surprised that it happened because again, as we see money makes us do crazy things. And, um, and I, I was, I'm so lucky enough that in my, in our show that our writer's room is full of diverse people that, Um, you know our showrunner day one because of the subject matter of our show you know we're using comedy to heal from our previous traumas our previous experiences which is basically what comedy is designed to do and our showrunner day one of shooting said if anybody laughs like during these particular sensitive scenes then they will immediately be fired and that is not up for discussion (laughs) which I thought was the most badass thing for a showrunner to do because not only because this show was like very much drawn from her own personal experience, but because she respected her actors so much and, and nurtured and protected so much like the ferocious mother that she is, that she said, if you, if you put us in a state of being compromised from what we're trying to do, then there's no place for you here. Um, Which, you know, I wish I had that courage to call out people like that if I see some sort of injustice being done. I just think that's so admirable of her to do, to say, you know, this is my show and I'm going to protect it at all costs. And if you aren't on board with that, then you can seek employment elsewhere. And that's sort of the those are the options available. You is, either respect it, you know, is I don't some know. Of that
0: that you said. So you just said something interesting, interesting that that I don't think is unique to to people which mm-hmm. is the the idea that you hope that you have the inner fortitude to be able to speak out when yeah. there are injustices is there in that industry is seemingly so much about power dynamics is yeah. there right do you is you do you have to watch what you say or right would you feel free? To speak out about an injustice in the position you are in, which is, which is someone who's coming up, and up coming. right? Yeah, um, um, it's fair um, to
1: say I don't want to care. Yeah, to is that
0: fair? You don't you don't
2: have no, the same right.
0: yeah. cachet as as your castmate that you were talking about. With do you, do you feel that? Is there you don't want to make waves, but you want to be strong, but you also want to have a career, <laughs> right? That's a that's, that's a exactly tough right. line to walk.
2: It, it, it's a blender, a hurricane yeah. of complex feelings. Where right. I, uh, where at this point, honestly, I don't know what I would do. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I'm in a very specific position right now. Where, as you said, I'm young. I'm still very hungry for work. I am still trying to lay all the groundwork necessary to hopefully secure a great, you know, prosperous career. Right. Um, which means having to play the game. But also. Absolutely. Um, you know, means being encouraged to step into my own person and at least speak up on my own behalf if something doesn't feel right or feel appropriate. Um, but the other thing is, this is what's crazy too, is that I, you know, I, I live for dark comedy. I think everything is qualified to be made fun of. And we are now in a very hypersensitive climate, especially yes, when it comes. To comedy people want to police comedy yes. in ways that they didn't want to you know if don rickles was just coming up if oh, george gosh. carlin was just coming up they would never have right. careers lenny now. Bruce? yeah but lenny bruce i mean you name it whoever it is within the last 20 30 years they would have never had a chance now because mm-hmm. we're suddenly in a very hypersensitive climate yeah um, Louis
1: ck didn't help for god's sakes
2: oh my god well and that's tricky too because he's now performing again and yeah, it's like yeah. I haven't you know I haven't seen it, I don't know, but all I know is that he basically has kind of glossed over everything that transpired over the past year, which How I do you think feel about is, that?
0: That's actually an interesting uh, topic. Um you know what do you is it appropriate okay for, for me yeah. back
2: right now. so you know, that's the other thing is that I was raised to treat others with kindness to try and cultivate that kindness in ways and, and also to try and offer grace and mercy to people. Mm. So in this age of, you know, uprooting people from their positions based on these actions and those people then trying to move forward and continue to do their jobs and live their lives. It's really hard to say whether or not somebody deserves to be back in that position after what they did. I think if, if, Say, for example, Louis C.K., if he were to gracefully and humbly sort of throw himself before the court and say and just really own up to those actions. I,
1: I, I got to interrupt you for a second because he's the I only don't know. one who did that. And yeah. I, and I will say yeah. and we'll acknowledge that it was weird in a time when everybody else was denied, denied, denied. He copped to it. Um,
2: right. he
1: he was pretty forthright. It doesn't make any of it right or good, but he was forthright. And I Mm -hmm. guess Mike, I guess what we're getting to is that mean that he has a right to come back first. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah. I, and I don't know. I don't know if if the community has decided what's right for those that have been accused. I don't know. It, It feels like they're the ones that have the power in deciding what to do with these people. Um, and that's that's odd. It's going to take some getting used to, I think, now that everybody's so been so open and transparent about what's happened. Um, I honestly don't know, because, again, I, I think he deserves grace as much as any other person, sure. as much as I do, as much as you do. So it doesn't necessarily I don't mean mean he what, deserves
1: his career back. So I agree with right, you. So
2: I don't know. I don't know how that translates yeah. in a professional setting, what you do with that. especially in like a PR world where yeah. now you just have to keep Very issuing statement PR after statement. World. Well, it's, yeah. So, just I, real it's, quickly,
0: it's, just to interject something because I think this is a yeah. really this is an interesting conversation. Louis C. Well, so entertainers' careers are to a large extent based on the, uh, themselves as a commodity. So, if right. people are willing to go see Louis C. K. and pay for him. Yeah, and, it's economics. Right. So yeah, it's, it's not right. about whether he should have his career or not. No. It's really about whether the public is ready wants to accept him back. Right. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: Um,
2: and, that's... That's, and I feel like that's the thing. I mean, anything. The thing is, like, if you keep lobbying for shows to get canceled that you don't like, right? how about you just don't watch that show? Of sh- of you know, it's sure. like. Yeah. It' boils down to either you watch it because you want to or you don't because you don't want to. Just right. do whatever you want to do, but don't don't ruin it for the rest of us, it right? So to
1: just being able to turn the channel
2: exactly. So I mean, I guess it's the same thing where even that I think it's up to the the audience's discretion. If you now know all of this information about this person, it is up to you whether to buy the ticket or not buy the ticket. Right. and
0: And we certainly don't want to legislate that, right? Like, right, I mean, right. We, we don't want to become oh, yeah. this. No, this, uh, uh, you know, we we're policing police. everything. The moral police.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's the same argument that's been made. You know, it's like, you know, Woody Allen and Casey Affleck mm-hmm. where people say, oh, well, I hate the artist, but I love the art. You know, it's that debate about whether or not to go see a Casey Affleck movie because you think he's a tremendous actor, but you know of these things that he's been accused of or. It's the same thing. With, like even you know, you're like oh, I have I a hard time play, with Mel Gibson.
0: But... Mel Gibson's another one. Mel, Mel Gibson, Gibson is my is issue. One.
1: I love his work, and I don't like him as a person.
0: There's an interesting exactly. thing, though. So the question to me, it's because Mel Gibson is whatever he is, right? Which uh-huh. I don't know him. Sure, doesn't mean I can't be entertained by his art. Agreed,
1: right? But, but you're less likely to subject yourself to the art for the first time if you know that it's somebody who might not
0: maybe I mean if you're if not you going separate. to see Roman
1: Polanski movies
0: if if Roman Polanski put out a great movie I would would you go see Bill Cosby stuff right now if it, so here's this is my point I think it's up to people to separate sure. if we start doing this no no you're going to go through all the
1: Hollywood I'm not saying it's right I'm just it's an anecdote about what's happening in our society I mean I'm not justifying not right. the policing I'm not justifying yeah. it it's weird Hey, uh, let's end on a lighter <laughs> note. He, Mac and I were both interested. You just came out of a, out of a, uh, ad Astra. <laughs> oh, the audition, the audition. Um, what's it like, how long does it take? Is it 20 minutes and out? I mean that w- waiting for you, it seemed like it was a pretty quick process.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it depends on what it is. I've been at commercial auditions where I was there for two hours only Ugh. to like, you know, spend three minutes in the room trying to dazzle the camera with my personality (laughs) um and then there's other ones where I show up I I try to always be there 20 minutes early so that they don't have to worry about me and I sign in and I'm immediately going into a room and I do my two scenes and I leave and I've, I've actually tried to get better about immediately archiving the emails, archiving the experience so that I don't dwell. I don't let myself get consumed in the yeah. what went wrong, what went right. Because it's a lot of rejection that, and
1: it could get you down.
2: God, yes, it's exhausting. And I already have enough anxiety. <laughs> about, yeah, of course. You know, which, thank God, I picked such a secure career. Yeah, course, God. You. You yes. Imagine choice. if I had been good so choice. ambitious as to go and do something <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. Um, but, you know, today's was Fine, I guess, you know, there was an emotional scene and maybe I didn't get as emotional as I wanted, but also I was trying to live in the moment and who the heck knows why. And also I've, I've left auditions. I literally, I left an audition once where I had to get a line reading, which is like the worst thing that could ever happen to you in an audition, because it's basically saying like, you're doing it so poorly that we're literally going to put the words in your mouth. tell you exactly how to say it. And that's going to be the version that we send off to producers. And that's exactly what happened to me. And I ended up getting the gig. So it's become this, like, I don't know why the heck something works or doesn't work. Yeah. But I, in all of that chaos, I've tried to now find my own routine in my personal life. That feels like this is at least some sort of structure. And I know what the results of this will be. So I can take the chance on this thing of which I know none of the results or what they will be and try to find that balance at least, but it it is still fun and I still love auditioning and I still love the opportunity to meet these people and go to these great offices that have cast, you know, some of my favorite things. And, you know, so it's still very exciting and still I have to remind myself that I do really, really love it. And I do, (laughs) you know I have committed myself to it for as long as possible so well, and some it helps things, to get
0: those little as, and you can verify or, or deny this but you know I know I know just enough about this to be dangerous which is a lot of times it might have nothing to do with you you might just not be right they want something different they want a brunette instead of a blonde they want someone taller right. shorter right so there are so many things that go into being an actor the rejections and all that that We all take personally, and at the same time, it might not be anything, and so you have to work through all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
2: and you know what's crazy too is that now with Instagram and social media, now your follower count is being considered against you (laughs) when you're auditioning. Oh, that's crazy! So it's it's kind of weird because it feels like you only have so
1: many followers. That's what it's It's about. Truly,
2: like, some some job, which at that point I'm like, I don't even want that job if all they're going to do is cast (laughs) me on how many followers I have. That already already sounds stupid. It's really unhealthy. And I once, thankfully, I once met a casting director who said, if you made a good movie, you made a good movie, and if you have to rely on your cast and their following to fill the seats, then you already know it's going to be a bad movie. So, you know, but it's weird because sometimes, in cases like that, it's like, wow, they're not even basing it off of just pure talent, off of who is rights for the role you know just sheer skills and that that sometimes is what gets discouraging it's like really it's because I'm 5'6 that yeah. I just like don't want like you almost wish it was because you were a bad actor as opposed to like but as any you of these know, weird like numerical things.
0: As you know Kimmy because you went to college you've been in the industry and and so this is out there I study theater as well I knew yeah. lots and lots of good actors who were not working like really right. from not right so in Hollywood that's not the only requirement is the skill it's a, a lot of things right yeah so it's difficult alright so we're just gonna wrap this up here I got I got one question for you so sure. when Jason and I were looking through your IMDB your IMDB and other stuff and we saw this Ad Astra movie that's yeah. coming out right and yeah. with Brad Pitt and which you play yeah. Sergeant Romano
2: that's me, awesome. reporting for duty.
0: All right, so we want, did you get to do, we're going to be the star, we're going to be stargazers. Anything with Brad Pitt?
2: Uh, yes, I did. Oh. And can I tell you what a phenomenally surreal day that was? Absolutely. Because. Well, first of all, James Gray is the director. I've never felt so comfortable in a callback with a director before. He was so lovely. Immediately made me feel like I was at like in his living room. I showed up to work that day, and he walks on me, goes, "Oh, hey, Kimmy, how you doing?" Like very East Coast, just like fun guy. And then. Um, I meet Mr. Brad Pitt and also got to meet and work with Donald Sutherland who is one of my idols. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? And that was my first movie, you guys. This is my, like, talk about a high standard forever and always. We got you when you're
1: trending up. This is great. Donald Sutherland, that's amazing.
2: So I'm like working with Brad Pitt and it was so funny because I'm, I'm severely addicted to shtick. Like, God help me for the things I cannot change, one of them being shtick. I have to find it everywhere. So, while we're shooting, Brad Pitt would, you know, exit frame and we'd immediately like start doing bits together. And I'm like, am I really doing bits with Brad Pitt right now? <laughs> and then I was all done shooting for the day. They still had work to do. And so they said, and obviously this, so this movie takes place in space, him and Donald Sutherland are wearing spacesuits and they said, okay, let's excuse Brad and Donald so they can get out of the suits for a little while and get some air. And Brad Pitt walks by me to exit the room and he sticks out his fist at me and fist bumps me and goes, "Hey, you're good." And I immediately just go, "Yeah, you're good too. You should be oh, really nice." And he laughed and walked away and I immediately turned around and thought I was going to throw up because yeah. I was like, "What oh, the awesome. fuck?" I just that's say a, to that's him. That's a lifetime story.
0: That's awesome. That's fantastic. Awesome. You told Pratt Pitt he was doing he said, yeah, okay. you're doing good, bud. Yeah.
2: And I told, "Yeah, and I said you should think about doing this professionally." <laughs> <And laughs>
0: oh, well done.
2: And I, 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 it was one of those things where I'm like, who said that? Who
0: just yeah, like crawled into did. my
2: mouth and possessed yeah, me you. to say that to Brad Pitt? Like, where do I get off doing something like that? But luckily it all worked out and he didn't like have me blacklisted. That's and, a great
0: story. Yeah. You know, Kate, hopefully, great hopefully
2: we'll like run into each other at a premiere sometime and I'll be like, oh, Brad, wow. how are you? And he'll be like, oh, you. Nice. Like, I don't remember your name.
0: <laughs> well, we just hope that you remember us little guys when you get to are
2: be big. Are you
1: yeah. And I want you to know that your dad should be proud of you for this, too. I think that you're being oh. active politically. You can go home yeah. and tell him that you are being the anti-millennial. You are out That's there it. doing. <laughs> He'll well, be but, very
2: proud to hear that I'm being a bad millennial. No, and I I really like my parents. I mean, God bless them for not saying no to their kid wanting to do something so stupid as pursue a life in the arts. Yeah. Um, yeah. They had plenty of opportunities to say, like, you know what? What about an English major? What about a a business minor? (laughs) But they were so, like, suspiciously, vehemently supportive of everything that my brother and I have wanted to do. And I can only hope to make them proud by, you know, using the voice that they helped me cultivate and just doing anything I can to make them proud. Because at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is, like, make our parents proud. So, well uh, they're yeah, doing they did a great up.
0: job you represent the millennials well see you moving up thank you and we appreciate so. we appreciate your time and this, this is a has, really fun uh, interview thank been you been fantastic
2: thank you guys so much I can't wait to hear how it all turns out
1: we'll talk Thanks, to you kidding. soon and uh, maybe do this again sometime
2: ooh anytime you want